You killed those guys in prison? Uh, no, they didn't die. I just slit their throats. Welcome back to Other People's Lives. I'm Joe Santagato. I'm Greg Dybeck. For anyone out there that would like to be a guest on our show, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Our podcast, uh, our email podcast is a podcast at gmail.com. All right. So this episode is a little different for us. Uh, we are currently on the line with the guest. Uh, we are speaking to someone who is calling us uh, from a prison right now. It's Wallens Ridge Prison in Virginia. Uh, we're speaking with Randy. We are connected to him through a mutual acquaintance and really just being honest with you all we know right now is that randy is currently serving 1214 years in prison for murder so we have randy on the line we appreciate him uh, coming on to share his story and we're going to kind of learn this along with you guys have a bunch of questions along the way but uh, first of all randy thanks so much for being on today Uh, thank you both for having me yeah, of course. So I am reading here, you're incarcerated in a level six super max prison. Um, I guess before we kind of get into your story, uh, can you just kind of paint the current environment? What exactly is a level six super max prison? And, uh, you know, what, what are your surroundings right now as we speak to you? My surroundings are concrete and steel. That's it. Uh, painted blue and white. It's uh, it's a harsh environment. It's it's heavily guarded. It's heavily monitored. There's cameras everywhere. Um, you know, you have guns pointed at you pretty much 24/7. And uh, it's it's a violent environment. Um, a level six. It's in Virginia. It's a supermax prison. It's According to the DOC website and so on and so forth, it, it, it houses the worst of the worst of Virginia inmates, the guys who stab people in prison, the guys who assault guards, uh, the guys who rape other inmates, um, you know, guys who just constantly fighting and catching charges and don't get along with others. You know, we're all housed up here, and uh, I've been housed between here in Wallens Ridge uh, and right on your state prison. 22, 23 years, give or take. Oh, so you're 23 years into this sentence already? Uh, I'm 25 years into my sentence in a few months. Wow. And uh, can you just kind of talk about, I guess, you know, why you ended up in this prison with as many years that you have to serve? Yeah, that's not a problem. Uh, when I first came into the system, I went to Buckingham Prison, uh, which was a level three. I did that for receiving. Um, every time a new inmate comes into the prison system, no matter where you're at in America, you go to what's called a receiving prison first. It's a real prison, but they have a pod or two pods or whatever, sometimes an entire building where the brand new inmates come and they spend time with other new inmates in the system and everything just so they can kind of get acclimated uh, to the prison environment, acclimated to the rules and being told what to do, when to do and how to do it. Um, so I went there from mine. Technically, I wasn't supposed to go to Buckingham. It's just 
The county jail no longer wanted to house me. They could no longer control me and my anger issues. So they just, in the middle of a snowstorm in uh, January of 2000, they drove me to Buckingham and just dropped me off outside the gate and said, he's your problem now and hauled ass up the road. Um, so I went to more of a, a real, real prison than a receiving prison. Um, when I did my receiving there, because of how high my points were, I got sent up here to Wallace Ridge, and in the course of being here at Wallace Ridge, another inmate was running around telling other guys that he was going to move in the cell with me, knock me out, and rape me. So when I heard that, I went out on the rec yard the next morning, and I slit his throat with some razor blades, and I beat his ass. So, and my celly jumped in and helped uh, after I'd put in most of the work. And I got kicked off of Wallace Ridge and sent to Red Onion, where I spent 20-some years before getting sent back. Well, I got, in 2006, I got I released from Red Onion. I went to Sussex One, which is in Tidewater, Virginia, and I wound up slitting a child molester's throat November 28th, I mean, April 28th of 2006. And uh, I got sent back to Red Onion, and I been charge-free ever since, but I still can't get released from uh, a Supermax prison. You killed those guys in prison? Uh, no, they didn't die. I just slit their throats. Okay. And I'm assuming, you know, that like, what is what is the repercussions for that? Do you add more years to your sentence and also, do you get like, you know, you're in isolation or something? Yes, I did, um, the first time uh, when I slit L.A.'s throat back in uh, November 28th of 2000, uh, I did five and a half years uh, in solitary before I got released and worked my way through uh, the step-down program uh, there. For, I think it, was, it took me like maybe eight months or so. And I got transferred to Sussex One. And when I slit the child molester's throat for being a child molester and proud of it and the snitch and so on and so forth, I got sent back. I did, I did six and a half years in solitary before getting released. And three weeks in the population, I got locked back up uh, for another seven years in solitary for nothing, just based on you know the charges I'd committed in the past and, you know, DOC being somewhat scared of, of my anger um, and how I used to lash out when I was younger. So they just locked me up without a charge, no investigation or nothing. So I did a total of 13 and a half years in solitary with a three-week break in the middle of it, basically. Wow. Can, can you talk about, like, that experience, like being in solitary for that long? Um. Well, I cover this subject in my own podcast uh, quite extensively, but it's it's like being buried alive. You know, you're you're in this small cell that's about the size of a bathroom. Um, you live inside that cell. You you don't get to see the person you're talking to. You don't you don't get a lot of human interaction. Yeah, you talk on the vent. Um, you know, if you're a talkative person uh, or if there's somebody on the vent with you that's worth talking to. And sad to say, most times there isn't. Uh, you just, it drains you. 
you know, it, it, it makes you or it breaks you. Fortunately for me, it made me. You know, I, I've read every book I could get my hands on. I started to think for myself for the first time in my life. And that's what's wrong with prisoners, period. They don't know how to think for themselves. If they did, they wouldn't do the dumbass stuff that we do to get locked up in the first place. Hmm. So I had, I, had to, I had to teach myself how to think. I had to look in that mirror and see who I was. And when I saw that, I realized, like, I, don't like, I, don't, I don't like that mother in the mirror looking back at me. So I changed. I, I took that opportunity to do something with it. But even though it made me, it still has harmed me and broken me in certain ways. It's made me paranoid. It's, it's gotten me to the point where like, I don't trust. I, like, I really struggle to trust people. I really struggle to believe in others. You know, um, it's like being in a pressure cooker for emotions. Everything, after spending so long in solitary, you become so emotional. Everything is just, like for example, Let's say you you and your co-host were joking around and you talk a little trash to one another. And you say, oh, man, dude, you a bitch. Like, you said that to me, I'm liable to punch you in your mouth and knock your teeth out. And it's, it's just a normal joke for you guys. You know, it's just a little talking trash. But in here, it's so much more than that because you're in that environment and you're left with nothing but your thoughts. I did it. I did most of my time in solitary with no television, with no radio, with no commissary, with nothing but two library books every two weeks in my imagination. So, like, it just, it messes with your head. You know, I've seen numerous guys that have to do long-term solitary that it literally drives them insane. Like you'll you'll like their first three or four weeks you'll talk to them they're normal everything is good. You get moved and you come back and you see these people six seven years later and they're literally driven insane. That's what solitary yeah. does to you. It, it feels like it's designed to do that almost. But do you feel like it took that experience in solitary for you to be able to look in the mirror and? decide that you didn't like the person that you are and make that change? Like, do you think if you didn't end up in solitary, you wouldn't have made the kind of transitions that you've made as a person? Yes and no. Um, you know, being in solitary, this is, that's the, it, see, solitary is a catch-22. It's good on one hand, it's bad on the other hand. Look, you have to have a place where you can secure someone who doesn't care about human life, who's more than willing to stab inmates, guards. You have to have some, you have some place where you can securely secure them. Otherwise, you just have nothing but blood on the floor. And at that point in time, I was in that mindset. I was in that mindset. I didn't care about, I didn't care about my own life. And if I don't care about my own life, what makes you think I'm going to care about yours? I was in that mindset. So, I needed to go to solitary to just have that moment of reflection. But 17 and a half years straight, I mean, excuse me, 13 and a half years straight, you know, 17 and a half years total, that's a little too much. Yeah, that's a ton of time. And 
just for everyone listening to, I know we're kind of jumping right into it and, you know, we, the call may end up dropping and then hopefully Randy's able to call back. Um, if it seems like we're just kind of jumping all over the place, but can you just walk us back to sort of the, I guess, beginning, what landed you in prison in the first place? I'm reading in this email that I think you were 11 years old the first time you were incarcerated. So prior to the slitting of the throat of two people, like what got you there in the first place? Can you just talk about, you know, who you were back then and what got you caught up in the system? Yeah. Um, I grew up in a very, very violent environment. Um, again, I'm not going to go into too much detail for those of your listeners who want, you know, to more understanding and more background. I've got a podcast called Red Onion Randy, uh, YouTube, Google, Apple, Spotify, all that stuff. All right. I grew up in a really violent environment. I grew up with everybody around me, all the adults around me, telling me I was nothing but a piece of shit, that I was going to wind up in prison or dead by the time I was 18 and this and that, and I was beaten and just, I I was broken and abused in so many ways. And I I went to a foster home, and this older foster kid, he was 17, I think my brother was, nine, nine at the time, and he was bullying my brother. So I grabbed the pool cue and I wore his ass out with it. So I got kicked out of the foster home and I was sent to the A home, uh, the attention home in Charlottesville, Virginia. And it's a co-ed. And while I was there, um, I was molested, you know, by an older kid there, he raped me. That just, with all of the abuse that I suffered, you know, from my family, the beatings and and, and being cussed at and just told I was nothing and just being poor and having nothing, you know, it just compounded all of that. So one day I tried to commit suicide and I swallowed some glass and I was taken to the hospital and uh, they they didn't find nothing wrong with me and they sent me back. When I got back, I had found out... You have one minute remaining. I had found out that they had made banana splits, and I wanted one. I'd never had anything fancy like that before, not even close. And the guy was like, you ain't getting it. You shouldn't shouldn't have cried wolf. You know, stuff like that. So I pulled a fork out of the drawer, and I said, man, give me one, I'm going to kill myself. I don't think you will. I stabbed myself in the wrist with a fork and I tried to I tried to open my veins. Thank you for using GTL. Okay. Uh, We're gonna have to get a call back. Yeah. This, this is uh, you are seeing the process unfold here. We did not <laughs> expect this call to come through today, uh, which is why we just kind of jumped on it and scrambled. But yeah, Randy should be able to call us back, hopefully. Hello, this is a prepaid debit call from... Matthew. An inmate at the Virginia Department of Corrections, Wallens Ridge State Prison. To accept this call, press zero. To refuse this call, hang up or press... All right, we have Randy back. Can you hear us okay? Uh, Yeah. Um, I believe I believe the last thing you said was uh, you had stabbed yourself in the wrist with a fork. 
Yeah, I tried to open my wrist with a fork. Um, you know, he, he grabbed a hold of me. You know, he called the police and everything. And uh, I was sent to Dijarnet, which is it's a mental hospital slash prison for juveniles. You know, and I, I did time there. Um, you know, when I'd gotten released, I, you know, went to a, a, a wilderness program called New Dominion, which is basically like a level one road camp is, is what it was. Um, I went to a foster home when I left there and it just, I just kept fighting and stealing and, you know, stealing cars and breaking into houses and doing all that stuff and just in and out of juvenile prison. You know, Beaumont, which was Gladiator School, and Hanover, and so on and so forth. So during that time, uh, how did you, you know, the the thousand plus years, like, what is the reason why you have that much time? Um, uh, I um, I got out of Beaumont the last time. And I just, I had no direction. I had no purpose. I, my anger was at all-time high. Um, you know, it's like it's just this black cloud of evil following me around. I had lost my job. Um, you know, uh, another guy who's, you know, well over six foot, 270, 80-some pounds, you know, big boy. We was on a job site one day, and he come over and just started taking my tools. And what do you think you're doing? You know, he thought I was going to back down and just, you know, kowtow to him. And I don't, I don't have no backup or give in me. So me and him got into it, and the guy I was working with, he broke it up and, you know, called my boss and told my boss, and my boss fired me. So I had bought my grandma a stove for Christmas, you know, because um, she really needed the new one. And I, just, I couldn't pay for it. So one day I just, I, I went and I stole a car and I wound up robbing a store. And when I pulled the gun on the, on, the, on the store owner and I told him to give me his money, you know, he pulled the money out of his wallet and he gave it to me. And I said, all right, empty the register. So he opened the register up and said, man, give me the money. He said, no. I said, look, man, I will kill you if you don't give me that money. He says, I don't think you will. I shot him once in the chest. He fell He fell on the floor behind the counter, and um, I leaned over, and I shot him twice in the back. And then I walked down the counter, and I walked back up, and I stood over top of the man, and uh, I shot him six more times in the back of the head. And I took the money and I hauled ass. Got caught for it, you know, so they gave me a... Uh, capital murder, armed robbery, gun charges, some D&Es and stolen cars and stuff like that. My sentence, uh, my sentence came out to 1,214 years without parole. I have a question. What's more American than a bald eagle? The 4th of July is almost here, and that means a couple of things. Barbecues, pool parties, and last but not least, glizzies. And it just so happens the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped, are making sure all the glizzy gladiators across the nation are groomed for battle on America's birthday. From sea to shining sea, join over 8 million pube patriots worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with our code 
OPL at manscaped.com. Talk about an American dream, guys. But seriously, the Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped. There is nothing else that you should be using when it comes to trimming your nether regions and, and taking care of everything down there. Inside the package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. This thing has it all. Uh, I use these products all the time. The Lawnmower 4.0 is amazing. It lets me get down there, do everything I need to do with no worries of, you know, a nick or a cut or, you know, anything like. It used to happen, honestly, all the time uh, before I discovered Manscaped. It was uh, not a pretty scene. The trimmer is designed for below the belt, uh, but it has been known to carve out exquisite 4th of July mullets as well. So if you need to use it up top, or I don't know, maybe mullet down there. I don't know how that would look. And for all the diehard patriots who want to rock a dirty stash or goatee by the pool, look no further than Manscaped's brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit, which includes the Beard Hedger Trimmer. So you'll be looking like the total American dream. They've got you covered from head to toe, guys. Take your freedom bells to the next level by going to manscaped.com and get 20% off with free shipping with our discount code OPL. Get your independence back this Independence Day and unlock your confidence with Manscaped. Do you remember the feeling when you heard that sentence? I was, I was numb. Um, you know, not 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 from not from the sentence. I was just I was just numb. Period. I was just I was tired of living. You know, I I turned to my, I turned to my lawyers and I was like, I wish they had just gave me the death penalty instead. At least I'd be dead in a few years. Um, you know, I, I from being in juvenile prison, I knew what adult prison was like. Um, I didn't know how bad, but I did. You know, I had some inkling and understanding of, of what I was getting myself into. I'd much rather been dead. You know, but it's just, I just, I just took it. Like, I mean, it's just like, what else in my life is going to go wrong? What you know, like, I mean, it, I, honestly, there was just par for course for me. It was just something I was used to. Do you uh, do you ever think about the guy that you killed? Yes, I do. You know, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I think about the man every single day, but yeah, I, I do think about him uh, somewhat often. What do you usually think? I usually think about his family. You know, um, I've never had a chance to speak to them. Uh, I certainly have never had a chance to apologize though I doubt they would give a damn. Um, but from from what little bit of understanding I have of their situation, basically their family just completely fell apart after that. Um, you know, and it just, I, I wonder what would have been if I would have never took that man's life. You know, um, I wonder what their lives would be right now. Are these, you know, regrets that you have right now? Have you come to a, a place where you're just almost at peace, like with 
how everything has turned out and the decisions and you just feel like all you can do is be a better person? Like where, where are you at now considering it, it does seem like you obviously, if you could go back, would choose not to do the things that you've done? Oh, absolutely. If I could go back, I definitely wouldn't even come close to doing the things I've done. But um, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure 100% of the human population would say that. Uh, yes, I do. I do regret it. Um, but it, it's it's more along the lines of remorse than it is regret. You know, what can you say about destroying an entire family? It's not like I hurt one person. And that's what I didn't realize back then. I wasn't just hurting one person. I hurt an entire family. You know, who knows what what he would have went on to do? You know, who knows what he would have what he could accomplished? Or maybe he wouldn't have. You know, maybe he wouldn't have done nothing. Maybe he would have. I don't know. You know, so it's there's deep remorse that I destroyed a family just because I was angry, just because. I had a rough childhood. You know, I had no right to do that. That's what, you know, keeps me awake at night sometimes. That's what makes it hard to get out of bed in the morning. You know, that's what makes it... Yeah, I'm doing some good now. You know, yeah, I've completely turned my life around. I haven't had an institutional charge in 17 years. In a supermax prison, that's, I'm the only one who's ever done that. I'm the only one who's ever even come close to doing that, especially in the state of Virginia. You know, especially at Red Onion and Wallace Ridge, where, I mean, it's so easy to catch a charge. You know, it's... It, it, to me, it doesn't matter what good I do. It's never going to outweigh the bad that I've done. You know, and that's that's the cross I got. I, I have to bear it. I got to carry that. You know, this is something that's never going to go away. Yeah, I do everything in my power to become a better man, to become a better person. But does it really matter? I took a man's life because he said, I don't think you will. Five words, and I committed murder. I was going to ask if you think that you should be let out at some point. Quite frankly, for what I did, they should take me out back and shoot me. Um, do I want to get out? Yes. Am I working towards getting out? Yes. Um, I'm doing everything in my power to get out. But do I deserve it? No. That's just my opinion. Is it a hope that you will eventually get out that keeps you going day to day or is there a part of you that has truly accepted that you are likely to spend the rest of your life in your current situation no i've 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 never accepted it because the day that i accept that i'll I'll remain in prison for the rest of my life is the day i give up it's the day i make i make someone kill me or i wind up killing myself um, just because I, I, won't, I won't spend the rest of my life in this environment. I won't do it. Um, so the day I lose hope is the day I, I end my life, one way or another. And is there an actual chance that you could get out? 
yes, actually, I have a very, 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 very good shot of getting out. Um, you know, I'm in the process of, you know, saving up as much money as I can, um, you know, to get a lawyer. Uh, you know, I've gone through my case, and they violated my Fifth Amendment. Um, you know, at worst, they would have to retry me. Um, and if I get retried, I have a, with the right lawyer, I have a good chance of just making a plea deal, you know, and dropping it down to second degree murder and, you know, just giving me time, sir, because I've already done 25 years and, you know, I haven't had a charge in 17 years. And, you know, I've, I've, I've written children's novels. Uh, you know, one is actually published on Amazon. I've, I've had my own podcast. I've, I've helped people. You know, that's that's the crazy thing about it. You know, I've had people write me and say, you know, they were going to commit suicide until they heard my podcast and I gave them the strength to go on and fight. I've had people write me and tell me that, you know, listen to my podcast has helped them quit drugs and helped them to quit drinking and save families and, you know, kept people from committing crimes and, and doing all kinds of things. So I, I have a lot going in my favor. Um, you know, to get that. We'll see what happens. Um, but I, I, I honestly believe that someday I will give my time back and I will get released from prison. There's a big debate about rehabilitation in prison. So with all that said, what would you say to anyone listening that thinks you, no matter what, you shouldn't be released and that maybe there isn't a chance that you're truly rehabilitated. I get it. I know prisoners better than anybody else. There's not a person on the street who knows prisoners in prison better than me. I grew up in prison, juvenile and adult. I'm 44 years old. I've spent 33 years of my life incarcerated. I get it. I understand the games that prisoners play, that prisoners play. You know, I understand the hustles. I understand the lies and the deceit. I live with it every single day. I get it. I respect it. But I can show you better than I can tell you. And, you know, I, I know we don't have much time left, but, uh, you know, can you kind of talk about, you know, where you're at today and also starting your podcast? How are you even able to you know, record and publish a podcast from, uh, you know, a super max prison. Um, yeah. And just kind of like what your goal is with the, with the podcast as well. Um, well, my goals with the podcast are simple. Just, just to help, you know, just to, just to give people perspective. Um, you know, I think perspective is the greatest gift we can give ourselves in life. You know, it helps you to see clearly. It helps you to make better choices, better decisions. Um, it gives you greater understanding of the environment that you're in. So that's, I just, I want to try to give as many people as I can perspective. Um, you know, what it's like in here, uh, why you should care. You should care because most people in prison have release dates. Most people in prison are coming home, and you really don't want us coming home the way we currently are. Uh, how I started it, uh, I did a documentary at, uh, when I was at Red Onion called uh, Solitary, A Look Inside Red Onion State Prison um, that uh, aired on HBO. Uh, so my buddy Michael Garbett, 
who's a professor at the University of New South Wales in Australia, he saw it and he was intrigued by something I said. And so he did some research online and he found my, my, my full name and my state number and everything. And, uh, he signed up on JPay and started writing me and we just, one thing led to another. We had really good conversations and, uh, we set up a phone number through Skype and everything so I could call him and we just started talking and he's asking me questions and, you know, I would answer to the best of my ability and he was like, dude, we should really do a podcast. And I was like, what's a podcast? Hmm. So after he explained it to me, um, I was like, sure, dude, I'm game. And he just, when I call, he, he has it somehow set up to where he answers through his laptop and he records and we just we talk and we record it you know and then uh his wife she edits it and uh they put it up online and people listen to it believe it or not <laughs> and that's still crazy wow. as hell to me. <laughs> so this is probably a hard question but you know if you can just kind of narrow down from just your experiences uh, the remorse you have, the regrets you have, just everything that you've been through to, you know, where you are now, what is the biggest takeaway that you want people to have, you know, like the, the biggest message that you want to give when they kind of look at, you know, your life and the journey that you've been on? I don't care what you go through as a child. I don't care how hard your life is. I don't care what the abuse you've taken. I don't care. If you want to make your life better, you got to stand on your own two feet and make it better. You have to put the work in. You have to look in a mirror and you have to list every single bad, wrong, evil thing about you. And you have to accept it, embrace it. Because until you do that, you're never going to change. You're never going to be able to improve your life or make it better. Accept responsibility for your own actions for your own choices and your own decisions. Yes, I know there's a lot of people out there that's done a lot of bad things to you. If I'm in prison in the environment that I'm in, constantly tested day in and day out, and I've changed my life, I've fixed a lot of things that's wrong in my life. I've still got a long ways to go. I'm not there by no stretch of the imagination. But people who knew me back then who know me today, they don't recognize me. I'm an entirely different person because I never quit on myself. I never gave up on myself and I faced myself for who and what I was. If you will do the same, you can fix the problems in your life. You can actually get the life you want. If you're willing to put the work in for it, you're willing to face yourself and you're willing to overcome. You do that and there's nothing that can or will hold you back. It's go you're going to go through hell. There's no, no ifs, ands, or buts about that. It's the hardest, most toughest, degrading thing you'll ever do. Just beat yourself for who you really are and to accept it, that's a nightmare. I'm telling you, it's, that's just the way it is. But if you're willing to face that pain, if you're willing to embrace that pain, you can fix it and you can have a life worth living. Even here in prison, Supermax, pretty much all I've ever known I have a life worth living. And it's because I put the work in. That's, well, yeah, that's, that's the message. 
Well, that's that's amazing, man. I'm, you know, I think uh, it's definitely an interesting perspective, and we appreciate you coming on today and you know taking the time and talking to us. Um, do you want to let people know where they can find your podcast? Red Onion Randy. Uh, com. That's my website. You can just go on there and find all the information. But I'm on YouTube. Uh, I'm on Spotify, Apple, and Google. Awesome. And, yeah, we'll make sure to uh, throw the link in there so that people can find it and hopefully throw some new listeners your way as well. That would be nice. <laughs> well, thank you so much, man, for uh, the honesty, sharing that journey. And uh, we wish you the best of luck in there. And, uh yeah, just good luck with everything. Yeah. Y'all too. Uh, thank y'all for having me and giving me this chance to uh, to get my voice out to your listeners. I appreciate it. No, of course. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Have a good one. Well, that is a wild conversation. Honestly, I can't imagine sitting in a cell and knowing that you have like 1200 years to serve. Yeah. Like that's, that's wild to think about. Yeah. That all just happened so fast. Like we, <laughs> yeah, we didn't really expect to even have the call to be honest. We didn't think it was going to happen. Then the Skype started ringing and it was like Scrambling. when firemen get the alarm and we just scrambled and put together. I said and email podcast at the beginning of this. Like, I don't even think I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh shit. This is um, like a weird, like almost behind the scenes episode. But, um, yeah, no, it is, it is hard to imagine. And, um, you know, I, I, Obviously, we don't agree with the things that he has done in his life, but, um, you know, we appreciate him coming on and sharing that message and uh, I guess his willingness to change as a person and and want to reach others. You know, you can't fault him for that. Um, But wow, it's just jarring to just that sentence, that amount of years. Um, Yeah. And also just like the... I guess the honesty and the, yeah, I also, the thing, 17 years in solitary is, that's, that's just, I can't even imagine that. It's like, that's gotta be like brain scrambling. Yeah. I don't know know how that's even like possible for a human to withstand that. Yeah. Yeah, That's insane. Um, I can't even imagine that, but yeah, I mean. It's fucked, man. The whole thing is fucked. Like it's just a it's a crazy perspective and I never thought that I would be able to talk to someone who like uh you know is has done the shit that he's done and then has also been in solitary for it and you know that is realistic and like yeah, of course I want to get out, but I probably I get it if I don't. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if I deserve it. I fucking killed a guy pretty fucking brutally at that uh over fucking nothing. Like, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's yeah. everybody makes mistakes doesn't really apply to something like that. You know, like it's like you, you want to become a better person, obviously. And that's kind of like what he was, you know, alluding to. But that is a yeah. crazy thing. It's just the acceptance of it. And then just the straightforward honesty of, of just like yeah. recapping the events because we've talked to people in prison before. We've done a really powerful episode of someone uh, who 
uh, I guess was framed and imprisoned that finally got out. And that's one perspective, which is, you know, good to hear when justice is served in that way. If someone who doesn't deserve to be in prison, but this is just someone who, uh, yeah, there's no denying, there's no sugarcoating the crimes that were committed. Um, but that's, I guess, as real of a conversation as you're going to get in this world. <laughs> so yeah, there crazy. you have it. Crazy. Uh, for anyone else uh, that would like to be a guest on our show, don't hesitate to reach out. Our email is oplpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, follow us on uh, Instagram, TikTok, at oplpodcast. You could head over to patreon.com slash show. And uh, thank you guys for supporting and listening. And that is all this week. See you next time. <laughs>